Okay, um, by the way, in the line of, you know, why couldn't some of this information be in like Chumash Vayikra, where we have like not so much to discuss? Did anybody have a chance to look at the Parshas? Parshas Vayetze. It's from chapter 28, verse 10. And, and, and it is, what's going on in the Parsha? A lot. A lot. It's like, I'm exhausted just reading the words, right? Um, did anybody have the, anybody be, yes, all, no, 11, 11 and Dina. Um, we're going to get to, we're going to get, Binyam's not born in this Parsha. Um, I need one more Marsha. We're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to play some, some board stuff. Okay. Marriage of Yaakov and yeah. two marriages. Two, two yeah. marriages, yeah. There was like well, a little miracle of Yaakov, like they, they couldn't like take the rock off the well. Yes. And all of them together, and then he just did it. He just did it. It's a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on in this Parsha, okay? Like a lot of stuff. Does he have a dream? He has a dream. He has two dreams. He was the first one to have a dream. He has a dream. <laughs> um, maybe he wasn't the first, but the, you know, as far as I have a dream, it's not. He was, no, that was then, then Yosef. <laughs> That's later, but Yaakov's first. Yaakov's first. Okay, so let's get let's make let's make let's make a little bit of let's make a little bit of sense of the parsha. Okay, um, this week we are in fact going to run through the parsha a little bit more than we did last week, um, just because there's like so much information, and if we don't actually stop for a second to put it into place, we're going to lose all of that information. Okay, um, so parsha's vayetze. If we remember the end of last week's Parsha, what happened at the end of last week's Parsha? I know it was such a long time ago. What happened at the end of last week's Parsha? Uh, oh, the Yaakov Rats. He got the brachas, right? We had the whole thing with the brachas. The yeah. Yitzchak wanting to... No, he doesn't run. He doesn't run. He has to get away. No, so the end of last week's Torah portion, we have Yitzchak wanting to bless Esau, and the whole thing of Yaakov getting the brachas, then Rivka finding out that Esau wants to kill his brother, and so he, she tells Yitzchak, Rivka tells Yitzchak to send Yaakov to her, her family to go find a wife there. So yes, he is running away, but he isn't actually running away. Yeah. He's being sent away. Just an interesting um, side educational note. It's very interesting to note that in a specific family, where there was one child who was sort of following all the rules and one child who wasn't following all the rules, and there was a need to separate the children who got sent out of the house. The good one. The child who's following the rules. That when you talk about a child who's struggling, um, they need to be held much closer than... We need to hold all of our children closely. But I think that the... Who is perhaps... This is my my take on on the conversation. Who is perhaps has the the emotional stamina to be sent. be sent away, it's the one who is, you know, the one who needs to be, or reverse, the one who needs to be held tighter is the one who's, the one who's struggling. So I just thought that was an interesting little bit of whatever. And um, so that's last week's Parsha. So then, so then what happens, if you, if you look for a second at last week's Parsha, it actually tells us Um, it tells us, it says, I'm trying, it tells us, I'm trying to find it. Okay, if you take a look at last week's Torah portion, chapter 28, verse 7, Yaakov hears his father, Vayelach Padan Arama, and he leaves, and he starts to go, right? So now this week's Torah portion opens up. That yet, that yet, Vayetzi Yaakov in Beersheba. Yaakov is leaving Beersheba and he's going to Haran. And we're like, hello, we already know this information. Why are we repeating this information? Where is Haran? Where is Haran? That's a good question. Um, if I tell you that it's, it, it, the, if I'm not mistaken, it's sort of in present day Iraq. Because remember, they're going to come from there. They're coming from oh, that area. He's going, back. he's going back to Rivka's family. Remember, Rivka was from Haran. So he's going back. Avram came from like, like that area. Lavan is her brother. Lavan is her brother. So they're going back there no. to go find a wife. They're not going there, that's water. So well, yeah, but I mean, they're in Bershev. There's somebody's over here. And they're going to go, he's going to start heading out. So, um, so Rashi wants to know why does it tell us again, Vayetzi, that he's leaving? Very, very famous Rashi. Rashi says, um, it says, 
uh, first of all, it says it's, it's sort of putting us back into place where it was, but also it says that um, when there's a tzaddik in a city, um, that when the tzaddik leaves a city, then the glory of the city leaves and the splendor of the city leaves. Um, and he, when he's in a city, he is the glory and the splendor and everything. And when he leaves, all of those things leave, which is an interesting thing, which we see is actually really true in life also, that we often see the effect that a person has not when they're there, when they step away from the situation, when they leave, whether they go to another city, they go to another country, or maybe, you know, uh, then you all of a sudden hear about, oh my gosh, what an amazing person that person was. Um, so I want to make a little plug that as we are currently in Jerusalem and there are all kinds of amazing people around us, let's reach out and try to get to know some of the people who we could be learning from because there's so many amazing people around and don't say, oh, I should have had another conversation with them. Oh, I should have made time to go to their house and have coffee with them. And now my time is up and I'm leaving or whatever. So like that, that's an interesting thing. Anyway, so he starts to leave and he has... He comes to this place and he has a very, very famous dream. What is his dream? Ladder. The ladder. What does he see about the ladder? Angels going up and down. First of all, you have angels going up and down. And what did you say, Sydney? I said the ladder was going up. Right. So, so it's interesting. The tire describes the ladder. Okay, first of all, he protects his head. He takes stones, he protects his head. He has a, la- he has a, a dream. It's chapter 28, verse 12. Vayachalom, and he has a ladder. No. Vayachalom, and he has a dream. And here there's a ladder. Mutzav Artza. Okay, what is Mutzav Artza? This. Solid on the floor. It's grounded. It's really solid in the ground. And But his head is in the clouds. And, and he sees the angels going up and down. And he's like, whoa, he sees Hashem standing above him, whatever. I want to stop on the, on the image of the ladder for a second for a hundred different reasons. Um, but we're not going to do, we're, we're going to move quickly because we have other things that we need to talk about and we're not just staying on the ladder. First of all, Farshim talk about the idea of what was this ladder. But the first thing that they say is that the ladder had four rungs. Now, if you can imagine a ladder going from, head, from earth to heaven and only having four rungs, clearly we're not talking about a ladder that's going to get us to be able to get the dust on the top of the shelf because that's just not going to happen. And what does it represent? All different kinds of stuff. Does it represent the different exiles that the Jewish people are going to be in? Does it represent, Hasidus talks about it, representing prayer, this place of connection, all these kind of, all this stuff that it's four worlds, four we know if you've been paying attention in a lot of our, Classes, four is a number that's going to come up very often. So four becomes a significant number. And as Evan pointed out, the angels are going up and then coming down. Rashi's like, huh? Angels live in heaven. What's going on over here? So Rashi says there's going to be a changing of the guard. That Yaakov is always protected by angels, but the angels of the land of Israel cannot leave Israel. And the angels... So he's, there's like a change into the guard. The angels of Chutzlaretz are coming down. So first the ones that are protecting him are going up. And the ones that are from Chutzlaretz are coming down to sort of continue to escort him along the way. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot, a lot of conversation about the ladder. I want to say a few things. First of all, I want to say that this image of firmly planted in the ground and our head reaching the sky is, I feel... Again, I, 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 I think I see this in a lot of different things, so you hear it from me often, but I feel like this is part of like the Jewish schizophrenia that we have. Like On one hand, we have to be so firmly planted in the ground. We have to be so in touch with reality. We have to be able to impact the world around us, but at the same time, where is our head? Where is our focus? It's not here on the ground. It's in the sky. And we're being this bridge of heaven and earth to say, this isn't all that if there is, and that isn't all that there is. Like the question of how do we bridge it, that's the really tough challenge that all of us are faced with. Meaning, if God said to us, go meditate on a mountain and just be disconnected from everything and eat a bare amount of, you know, just enough water and bread to sustain you, like, okay, I don't know that I personally could do that, but like, if that was what I had to do, then that was what we were going to do. And if he said, you know, go make money and, 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 and acquire possessions, okay, we could do that. But when he says, do both of those, 
Be firmly planted in the ground, firmly planted in this world. Be so connected to the world. Don't just put yourself in a ghetto and say, I don't care what's happening in the world. Be involved in the world and not lose your sensitivity to spirituality. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. And that's really what's going on over here. That's really what has to happen. So when Hasidus looks at Yaakov, now he's going to Haran. So Haran comes from the word Haran of, of anger. It's a place that angers Hashem. The, the actual place is not a holy place. He's going from a great place. He's going from the land of Israel. Well, then it's called the land of Canaan, but whatever. Okay, so he's going from a great place to a terrible place. And Hasidus says, this is the journey of the soul. The soul goes from heaven and it gets body, goes down into this world, and it goes to a place that is not welcoming to God and holiness. It is not, you know, he's, it's not being embraced. And we're, we're going to see Yaakov's journey. When he goes to Haran after this dream, he's not welcome. He's not wanted. The, so the, if you see his conversations with the shepherds by the, by the water who was talking about, Sidney was talking about the water, they are like monosyllabic. Mono no, that. Yeah. Like they're answering like one word. He asks him a question. He's like opening up the conversation. Where are you from? We're hard. Do you know Lovin? My brother, my relative. Yes. Like, like. Where's your welcome? Where's your anything? Where Where is he being embraced by being there? None of this. None of this is happening. And that's really what happens within a shaman. A shaman gets bodied, gets put into this you know this body and soul together now have to go to a world that is so not hospitable to it, to holiness, to its vision, to its, to its mission. And what's the point? What's the point that Yaakov's going to actually end up doing in Haram? He's going to get married. He's going to have children. He's going to come back with great, great wealth. Now, yes, in shot all of that happened. He got married. He had lots of children. He came back with lots and lots of wealth. But if we think that Yaakov was only doing that because he needed a lot of money, then we miss the point. Right? Yaakov is going and he's collecting sparks of holiness and everything that he, anything that he encounters and that he brings. The neshama by itself has no children. The neshama cannot procreate by itself, but the neshama in a goof, when you go down and you do mitzvahs and you invest yourself and your whole, you know, your whole business into the world to make the world a home for Hashem, you go back to Eretz Yisrael with children. Not just that Yaakov had all these children, but when we go and we impact the world, our neshama is elevated by our encounters in the world. Meaning, we've spoken about this before, but I, wanna, I think it fits in here also. I want to just repeat it for a second. For the neshama to leave sitting under, basking in the glory of God, which we never use as an expression except for the neshama, right? The neshama is basking in the glory of God, comes down, lives 120, 130 healthy, beautiful years embodied, and it goes back the same. Well, wasn't that a waste of time for the neshama? That wasn't the point. The point is that the neshama goes back with children, so to speak. It goes back with all of our actions, with all of our mice and and all the misses that we've done. The neshama goes back with more. It doesn't just come back having not been ruined. That's, that would be a terrible investment. If all that happened to the Shabbat was that it didn't get ruined, didn't need to come spend 130 years in this world to not be ruined, but to come to the hunt, to come down, spend time in a body, impact the world, and come back with wives and children and animals and do everything that Yaakov is going to come back with, then we're, then we're talking business. Then the Shabbat that was that was a worthy endeavor. So we're going to follow Yaakov because he's telling us how do we do gulos. We don't learn so much how to do gulos from Yitzchak. Right, Yitzhak was a carbon, he was brought up as a sacrifice, he doesn't leave Eretz Yisrael. It's like a different kind of mindset. It's not something that we can totally relate to. But Yaakov, to go into Gaulus, and remember he's the first of the forefathers to raise his children not in the Holy Land. Avram raises his children in the Holy Land, Yitzhak raises his children in the Holy Land, and who's the only one who ends up with all of his children? Tzadikim? Yaakov who raises his children not in the Holy Land and not in a place that's, you know, supporting their lifestyle and their, and their goals. And their father's also very busy. If you hear how at the end of the partial he talks to Lovin, he was very, very busy taking care of Lovin's sheep, and yet somehow he was still so connected to his children that they got his values and they got what 
it was all about. And so they all come back and they're all tzaddikim. <coughs> that's the point of our that's the point of our journey. That's the point of our neshama coming down and impacting the world. And how do we go and not be impacted by the world, but instead to be the ones that influence? That's what we're going to do. As the next six Torah portions, we're following Yaakov and his children as they grapple with exile, as they grapple with how we do this whole situation. And we're going to have to pay attention and keep our eyes open very closely because this is where our story really, really starts. Meaning, yes, Adam and Chava and Noah and Moshe, we got all that. But like right now, with Yaakov and his children and their exile, that's where it's really going to start. Okay. Um, so, if, so there was something that always bothered me, and I just saw something now when I was preparing the class that actually was like, oh, that makes, like I get that. Right, so he has this whole dream with the lad, with the angels going up, and Hashem says to him, he has this dream, and Hashem is there, and Hashem says, um, in verse thirteen and fourteen, who has the English? The first cha- cha- Go, chapter twenty-eight, city thirteen and fourteen. And behold, and behold, and behold, Hashem was standing over him, and he said, "I am Hashem, God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac, the ground upon which you are lying." To you, I will the give ground. It. The ground. Okay. The ground upon which you are lying to you, I will give it into your descendants. Your offspring shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out powerfully westward, eastward, northward, and southward. Pause for a second. If you look at this in Hebrew, what's this? It's right here. I always love seeing things. It's in the Chumash. We got it from the Chumash, right? So, uh, so here's the bracha from Hashem that they're going to spread out. Go. And all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you and by your offspring. Keep going. Behold, I am with you. I will guard you wherever you go, and I will, and I will return you to this soil. For I will not forsake you until I have done what I have spoken about you. Okay, so this is a, this is a communication he has from Hashem. And he wakes up, and he says, how did I not know that Hashem is in this place? Like, oh my gosh, how did I not know, right? So then he got, so then he says, you know, how awesome is this place? This is the connection to Hashem. And then he says... In Pasuk, in verse 18, okay, Tzigizunt, 18, he says he takes a stone, and da-da-da, and in Pasuk, in verse 20, he makes a vow. What is his vow? Malki, 20. Uh, and then, uh, saying, if God will be with me, will guard me on, the, on this way that I am going, will give me bread to eat and clothes to wear. Keep going. And return in peace to my father's house, and Hashem will be God to me. Then the stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall become a house of God, and whatever um, you will give me, I will absolutely title it to you. Right. Okay, didn't Hashem just say to him, this has always been my question, Hashem just said to me, Tim, I'm going to go with you, I'm going to guard you, I'm going to watch you. And then he's like, if Hashem is with me, and he does all the things, then he'll be my God. Like, really? Did you, like... Right? So that was a, that's always been my question. I never had a really good answer. But one of the things I just saw now that, that the Rebbe was talking about is that back to the conversation of Yaakov being in a Shema going down uh, to being bodies, going to a place that isn't, you know, that isn't so friendly to, to holiness. He's saying that what are the conditions that I need in order to do this job? I'm going to, the, I'm going to be put into a place that is not so holy what do I need to do in order to do this job? So he says, the first thing I need to do is I need to have lechem lechel, food to eat. And we know that food goes into us. And Yaakov is actually saying, I need Torah. Torah becomes, with, when we learn Torah, it becomes part of us. And therefore, that enriches our lives. And Beged Lilbosh is the mitzvahs that we do. Because it's, it's like a, a little bit more external, but it's something you can put on and you can take off. So he says... If I have Torah and I have mitzvahs and Hashem is with me, then I'm actually able to go and make this change and this challenge. And then I will come back in peace. I will come back in peace to, to, you know, after 120, 130 years. He's saying these are conditions that I just need in order. I'm, I'm going to do it. But in order to do it, I actually need to have Torah. I need to have mitzvahs. It's not just sending me off on my own and hope everything works out. That's sort of a, a condition that I need. And then he talks about... And, and the first we talk about that, the place that Yaakov slept is actually the place that the base Hamikdash is going to be built on in the future. So, like we have, we have this space showing up, making cameo appearances all through Jewish history until we actually have Har Maria. Har Maria. Yeah. 
like it's 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 something that like we've seen this before. We're going to see it again, and eventually the the base hamikdash is going to be built over there. And what's very interesting is that it's, there's something about the place that is. It's not just oh we randomly picked a place a, a place to build the base hamikdash. Like it's some place that is predestined for greatness and holiness and 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 a connection to Hashem. So whether it's the Akeda, whether it's going to be the conversation about that's where the world was started from, or now him having the dream, and then, then you know, it's all, all going to be coming, the whole thing is circling around. So these are things that Yaakov says he needs as conditions in order to go. Beseda. So then he goes. And then we start having... Yes? So where he jumped, that was just like a break on the way from Bershav to Haran, like he's still in Eretz so it's so, so it's interesting. It's a good question here, Sydney. The Mepharshim talk about pretty much that he went, crossed the border, realized that he'd missed stopping at Harabayat, came back, and the last end of the, the last end, well, it wasn't Harabayat then, it was Harabaria, the last kind of chunk of that was, he had like a pizza Sadera, where the, the, his way gets shortened, so that he ends up being on Harabaria when the sun goes down, he doesn't know where he is, so he goes to sleep, Oh. Da But according to most of the Lafarshan, he actually he actually left and came back and then he went out again. Which is and interesting. Why did he come back because he knew that he realized once if you ever go traveling someplace and your feet this is my take on the suit. I don't know that this is actually how it happened, but you know like you sometimes going like, oh that wasn't where I was planning on going. Yeah. Like you, you your car ends up in Target as a random example, Trader Joe's. I don't know, I wasn't planning to go there, but that's where I am. But then you realize, like you missed your destination. And if he's heading out, he knows that Hara Maria is a place where Avram Davin and Yitzchak Davin, it's a holy spot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, sh- I missed it. So let me, mm-hmm. let me go back to there. Like, I'm not, like, yes, I'm on my way out, but I'm coming back in. And so, According to most of the he actually had left and came back. It's like he does such a such a movement to get there, and then the end of it, Hashem. Once Hashem sees him coming back, then he Hashem like sort of shortens that way for him, so he's actually able to get there and um, and, and be there at the right time. Does that make sense? Yeah. First time that I'm seeing someone sleeping. Yes. Oh <laughs> uh, no, no. No slept after you drink. After he's oh, dreaming. After you dream. So it's a little, it's different. It's different. And Rashi actually says that this is the only time he actually slept, like really slept for many, many years. Rashi says that before, when he started on his way out, he, he actually stopped in the yeshiva of Shem and Aver to, to learn yeah. for many years. Yeah. And then when he was working for Lavan, he was basically so honest in his job, he was just taking cat naps. Like this is the only place in that whole spirit, you know, period of time that he actually sleeps for a long time. But he went to sleep and he, that he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I slept here. This is like such a holy place. How did I sleep here? Um, <sighs> just an interesting side thing because we're mentioning him learning in, in the yeshiva. You know, um, the Farshim asked, like, why did he need to go learn? I mean, this is Yaakov Ishtam Yoshev Olin. This is what he did his whole life. He learned Torah. So why does he need to learn Torah someplace else again before he goes so a lot of the Persian talk about the idea that the Torah that he learned from Avram and Yitzchak is like the Torah of Tzadikim. And he knows he's going to deal with Lavan, who is not as white as his name would imply. And so he needs to learn a whole different way of looking at the world. And that is what he's going to learn in the issue of Shem and Aver. Because Shem and Aver, they are the children, they're from the children of, of Noah. They've dealt with a world that was in terrible situation and he has to learn Torah from a viewpoint of not looking at the world like Avram and Yitzchak do but how do some other people sometimes see what the reality on the ground is so he has to sort of relearn his Torah which I thought is very interesting wow. right? I thought that was very interesting what were they even learning? what? what were they even learning? what were they even learning? it's a good question what were they learning? Um, so how to do with drunkies? <laughs> Well, first of all, first of all, you know the the. I guess Abraham had teaches teachings of monotheism, and maybe it was like stories of. So so it's interesting. So Nachmanides says that the entire Torah was written before the world was given, mm-hmm. right? And in every single world, it's the punctuation and the spacing of the letters is different. So the the, the Torah that we have here is this string of letters as it's broken up to fit our world. 
But so then, like, what could they learn? We know that there's a conversation of, of Yitzchak was, 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 you know, Avram was keeping Pesach, like they were having matzahs. Like, there are certain energies that if you can tap into, then they were able to learn it. Were they learning Gemara? No, the Gemara didn't exist. Could they have been having the conversations and the arguments before? Yeah. yeah. You know, what were they doing? I don't know what they actually were learning, but they probably weren't just, you know, sitting around and having, you know, Musr schmoozing about, like, how to be a good person. Like, it's got to be more real than that. He spent 14 years studying. He wasn't an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, when was this? What? When's when he go learn? Learning, yeah. From when his father sent him out mm-hmm. till he came, till he, till he, he leaves Beersheba, but he takes this, like, sort of Shana Ba'aretz, but it turned into, like, 14 years of learning before he continues on his way. No, no, no. Oh, right. No, no. This is after. Then, and then, he, now he's on his way. I finished my learning. I'm on my way. And then he has a dream, and he's moving forward. But it's interesting. It's like we learned that Kumara is like the, you know, delves with like all the discussion dealing, dealing with like the most un- unholy things like against the Torah, like flying yeah. or cheating. Well, it depends which part of uh, which part of Kumara. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like mostly, like that's how students like use it in general, like repeatedly and everything. And that's interesting. Like if they would have those discussions, he would actually learn how to like, well, we have how to, to, you know, that like the world can also work this way. That like a witness can see, that witness can learn, lie. Right. So, so we're gonna have to assume that he, he didn't not know that. You, if you see the if you see the conversations that he has with Lovin, he's pretty aware of Lovin's nature, right? But before he came, he actually learned about. <laughs> could be, yeah, could be, could be, could be. I don't know. So I don't know what he was learning. It's a good question. I don't know what he was learning, but but definitely he he was having, according to at least some of the more modern commentaries, he needed to learn how to deal with the people that were on the ground that he actually had to deal with. Okay. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm just like, oh. Okay. So there, I want to talk about, I'm going to jump a little bit. We have a lot of conversations with sheep, um, the shepherds and the sheep and the water and then Rachel and the sheep and this whole situation. We're, we're going to touch on it later, but we're going to skip it a little bit. We're going to now, I want to jump for a little bit to um, Yaakov, uh, we, Yaakov comes, he meets Rachel, he goes back to her house, and he says, he tells his, he tells his uncle that he wants to marry his daughter. Right? We're jumping the story. Okay? And what does Lovin say? What does Lovin say? He's like, sure, work for seven years, and then you could have my daughter. Yeah. And, um... So he, so, so chapter 29, verse 20... Yaakov works for love. Yaakov works for Rachel for seven years, and they They look to him like they were a, a single day. because he loved her so much, and then he's ready to get married, and they have this whole wedding. And hello, what happens? Dissy. Trickster, trickster, dissy, deception. Right? He says to her, he. Uh, sorry, it, I I I want to just like think for a second, right? Because. You know, in the whole conversation, which we are going to touch on about Rachel and Leah, we forget a couple of very important parts to the conversation. And one is that they were sisters who actually loved each other. And just for a second, think. I mean, we we are like, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks. So, like, we know the end of the story. Mm -hmm. But could you imagine, like, Rachel's working for seven years. She knows that Yaakov's going to marry her. This is, like, her soulmate, literally. And she's, like, over the moon. And she's you know, sewing tablecloths and whatever else one does to get, I don't know, whatever she's doing, right? They can't just go, like, to Amazon and just order everything they need. Like, they're getting it all ready. And then the morning comes and the makeup lady comes and the hair person comes and they take Leia and they sit her in this chair and not Rachel. And she doesn't know what we know. We know that she's going to get married Yaakov in a week. But she know? Huh? She doesn't know. No, but they're if we're gonna stick with, if we're gonna stick right now, shot, she doesn't know. She doesn't know, and she, she and Yaakov were nervous about such a thing. They were certain, they were nervous. They knew Lovin, and they were nervous about a trick. And what does Rachel do? What does Rachel do at that time? She doesn't just go with it. She gives her clues. She gives her clues. Yaakov and Rachel had made up signs to make sure that they were gonna actually be know that we were marrying each other. 
And Rachel gives these signs to Leah because she's like, my sister cannot be mortified in public because if they go under that chuppah and she doesn't know whatever, whatever it is that she's supposed to respond and she doesn't, it's going to be so mortifying for her in public, in public, which is, which is, give me one second, let me just finish this. Okay. And then, and then, uh, and she doesn't know that in a week she's going to also marry him, right? She's like, this is my literal soulmate, and she, she does it with a full heart, okay? In the morning, Vayihiba Boker, verse 25, Vihinehile, and guess what? It's Leah, it's not Rachel. Um, and he says to Lavan, and Yaakov says to Lavan, what did you do? I worked for Rachel. Now the Gemara and the Medrash jump in here and they say there was actually a conversation before Yaakov went to speak to Lavan. Yaakov looked at Leah and said to Leah, how could you? And she looked at him and said, how could you? Like, who do you think I learned it from? Yeah. Who do you think I learned it from? You went, who went in and deceived their father and said that they were the other, the other brother? I learned oh. it from you. Oh. I learned it from you. Oh, right? oh my gosh. Right? One second. Let me finish my sentence. Huh? How would what? she know that he deceived his brother? You know, even without WhatsApp, news gets away, gets around, right? She, like, it took a long time. He was learning yeshiva for 14 years. That was enough time for the Yentas to get from one place to the other. <laughs> I mean, like, news gets around. So, um, so, 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 so Chassidah so says, what kind of weird conversation is this? Mm-hmm. What kind of weird conversation is this? So, so Chassidah explains that when Yaakov took, when Yaakov took Esav's brachas, he also took Esav's avoida. And in, ya- in Yitzchak's version of the world, Yaakov and Esav were going to have, they were going to split this whole godly mission. One was going to do heaven, one was going to do earth. We were going to have 12 tribes from two brothers. So when Yaakov takes Esav's bracha, he also takes Esav's wife and Esav's six tribes. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh-huh. How many children does Leah end up having? She ends up having six tribes. Because Yaakov took the whole avoda. He didn't just get the brachas. He got the whole vision that was supposed to be Esav and Yaakov together. No, no, no. When Rivka's like, no, it can't be two people. It has to be one person. Yaakov ends up with the whole package. Mm-hmm. And that's really what she's saying to him. She's not just being snarky and saying, oh, yeah, I can also. No, she's like, you actually took the whole avoda. Yeah. And we know in the beginning, Rashi talks about the idea that Leah, you know, Rachel's so beautiful and Leah's eyes are weak. And, and the, whole, the whole conversation, we're like, everybody knew that why were Leah's eyes weak? Because she, she was because she was supposed to be marrying Asa. Right, because she was supposed to marry Asa. Like, everybody knew. Rivka has two sons, and Lovin has two daughters, and the older one's going to marry the older one, and the younger one's going to marry the younger one. And that's going to be an amazing, like, everything. And she was like, I don't want this. This is not what I want to do. So when we talk about Leia as sort of being a big player on the side, she's actually not. She's very, very powerful. Her prayers can actually change her destiny. And they did. And we're going to see it again. It happens another time in this Parsha where her prayers actually change a reality that's already on the ground. Okay, we're going to get when when she's pregnant with her seventh child. So her prayers are very, very powerful. Rachel is is the image, it's a person that never struggles. Rachel's a tzaddik. Leah is the Baltruva. Leah is the one who, like, my prayers are teary and, and wholehearted, and they actually work. And we're going to talk about them in a second. Uh, um, sorry, I didn't finish. I didn't answer your question, Emma. No, it was just like, so Rachel was agreed to all this just because she loved Leah so much? Or? Yes. Yes, wow. according to Pshat, that's what it is. She's like, my sister can't be mortified. Now, later on, you know, the prophet talks about how when the Jews are being taken into exile, why is what Rachel comes to say to God so powerful? Right? The Jews are being taken into exile and everybody's begging for mercy, da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Yeshayahu talks about it and everybody's, and God's not listening to everybody. And Kal Baramanishma, Rachel is crying for her children. Why does it help? Because she wholeheartedly and with such love said, I'm going to step back and let my sister in. You're, she says, Tasha, you're complaining about idols in the, in the temple. It, had no, it has no value. It has no nothing. 
And I did the same thing with a human flesh and blood, and I didn't know that I was going to be in there. I brought the same, it's called a Tzara base. I brought like a, a rival into my house, and I never complained about it. It's, you know, and that's why she's, it's so, it's, it, her, she's able to go and advocate for Hashem. Very, very powerful stuff. I want to just say one, just to sort of, I'm not really closing the conversation of Rachel and Leigh because it's something that we, we're going to circle around and come back to many, many times. But one of the things that we're going to see in the Parsha, what does Leah want and what does Rachel want? What does Leah want? Anybody? What does Leah want? Let's look. Let's look. They're going to get married. Children. Nope. 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 What does she want? Yaakov. She wants Yaakov. Yeah. Leah wants Yaakov. No. Right? No. If, you take, if you take a look, look at chapter 29, verse 31. Right? So he has, he has, Yaakov marries Leah, and then he also marries Rachel, and then Vayar Hashem Kisnua Leah. Hashem sees that she is, not that, in the first one, it's not that she was hated. You can't stay married to somebody you hate. But in comparison to the love that Yaakov has for Rachel, everything else pales in comparison. Right? So Leah, if you're going to see her, her actions the whole time, all she wants is for Yaakov to love her. She just wants to be connected to Yaakov. What does Rachel want? Children. Children. Rachel wants children, right? She has the love. She wants the children. If you look, you know, zoom forward in history, look to 2023, where's Leah buried? In the Machpelah. In the Machpelah, next to Yaakov, right? She's with him. What's Rachel's title? Mama Rachel. Mama Rachel. Rachel Oh, well. Right. Aww. Historically, they each end up with what they really, what their, what their, their deepest desire was. Aww. Rachel becomes known as our mother. That's what she wanted, and Leah gets to be with Yaakov. So there's like all these layers that kind of sort of keep layering and floating and cutting around and circling around. Nothing is one, you know, chapter and verse in 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 the, in the story. Everything has multiple layers. And I think it's when you take the longer look. Like at the end of the day, they, they each actually got what they their heart's desire was. Question, Emma. But like he says here that that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Like Correct. How could she be okay with that? You know, like how could the sisters Who's be she? rivals? What? Because Listen, it's going to be complicated. Nobody's saying it's going to be a, a smooth ride. Even meaning, even Rachel giving the signs to Leah and saying, "I'm giving up this space wholeheartedly." Okay, then you know. How does that actually play itself out over the next twenty years? It's going to be very hard. Yeah, it's not going to be an easy thing. And I think that one of the things that when we look at just shot, we sort of think of them as being very strong rivals. And when you look at them from a Hasidic point of view, they're really two halves of the same of the same coin, and they really are going to work together. So if if Rachel is Sadik and Leah is Baltruva, well, we all have both of those. We all have both of those. In fact, we talk about the idea like the custom at the chuppah, sorry, sorry, the custom at a wedding that you have to cover the bride. The, the groom has to see the bride and then cover her. That comes from this switcheroo, yeah. right? To make sure that you actually are getting the person that you think you're getting as opposed to Yaakov. But, but what's the real truth about all of us? We all are Rachel and Leah. None of us are only one or the other. The, the part that attracts is the Ruchel. Mm. Ruchel is what, our, our Ruchel in us is what makes us attractive to our partner. But where is the Avedis Hashem? Where do we actually work? Like, where is the work? Because we all got Leah. We all, there's this struggle that keeps going on. We, we would like it to be just smooth sailing, but that actually isn't what it is. And we're going to find that Leah is going to have the most children with Yaakov, live the longest with Yaakov, and be buried next to Yaakov. Like, that which attracted him, that Rachel part of him, he has for a very short amount of time. Right? By the time they go back to the land of Canaan, Rachel passes away. Rachel passes away as soon as they come back to Canaan. Next week's partial, she's going to pass away. She dies very young. Right? If they end up being in their, their, by loving for 20 years, okay, so the first seven years, he's working for her. So how many years do they have together? Wait, 
he's there for 20 years. He's, he's there for 20 years. For no, no, no. He works for seven. For Leia. He works for seven. He marries Leia. A week, mm-hmm. later, he, a week, a week later, he marries Rachel, and then he works another seven. So he's uh, starting to build his family so in the second six. seven years. In the second seven years. So it's 16 years? 13. 13? I don't know not my strong point, right? So, like, how much time do they actually have together? Not so much. It, again, layers and layers and complications, right? Okay. Uh, what I do want to do for a second is I want to... Can we, can we get everybody's children here? This is going to be... Got to look in the power and follow along how this is going to work, okay? okay. By the way, isn't there a thing that says that Rafa and Leia were one soul? They were split. Maybe. I'm not saying that. I don't know. Okay. Yaakov marries Leia. And then he marries Rachel. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Wait. We didn't get there yet. Then, Leia starts having children. Okay, she has Ruben. She has Shimon. Okay. And then she has Yehuda. And then what, and what happens then? He marries. What's it? She does. Look inside. It's in the Chomish. I didn't. I'm not making this up. Okay. So they go. Uh, she has. This, she calls him Reuven oh, and Shimon and Levi. And then, and then. Rachel, Rachel says she didn't have kids. Rachel says she doesn't have children. So she says. Here's my maid servant. Who's my maid servant? Bilha. Bilha. Okay. Here's Bilha. She'll have children with you, and they'll be as mine. And who are her? Who are Bilha's children? Um. Look inside. Don't make this up. I'm looking. Dan, 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 Dan and, and Naftali. And Naftali. So then Leah says, oh, um, you, I'm not having children anymore. Here's my maid servant, right? Okay, you're going to have Mary Zilpa. Okay, and then, did you see my numbers, what's going on over here? Yeah. These are the children. Okay, seven. Zilpa's going to have God and Asher. And Asher. Okay, and then we have a story with the jasmine flowers, which in the line of weird stories, in the, in the weird sentences in the Chumash, which I don't have an answer for. And if anybody comes up with an answer, where Rachel asks Leia for these jasmine flowers, which, by the way, in the line of how crazy, um, uh, they're called jasmine. And they're actually, it, like Rashi says, gives a name jasmine, and they're called mandrakes. And if you actually... I looked this up. It really did. They look like babies. Like, hello, Harry Potter. No, but also, <laughs> mandrakes are, it says that they're like a sedative and like a, like a narcotic. So, and jasmine's very different. So, they, I don't know exactly. Somebody showed me the pictures of it also. Like, there is a jasmine mandrake and it's, it's literally and it's Harry Potter comes to life. Yeah. Um, Leia so, so Leia, so she, Leia, so Rachel wants, so Rachel wants the jasmine, the mandrakes, Dudaim from Leia. And what does Leia say to her? Weirdest, weirdest psukim in the Chumash. What does Leia say to her? I think it's weird. She says, is it a small thing that you've taken my husband away from me and now you want to take away my son's mandrakes as well? Right? <gasps> you stole my husband and now you want my son's flowers? And I'm like... <laughs> right? Um, they got so many uh, sons, but they yeah, wait, get any doors. Right? Yeah, then what happens? Wait, one second. Right. Then we have, then, so that after that incident, Leia has two more children. She has Yisachar, and she has Zagulim. What is one the number eight's name? What? what? Number eight? Look, God. I can't read your hand. Oh, sorry. Oh. I love writing the board of just terrible life. Okay, and now Rachel is pregnant. No, sorry, now Leia is pregnant again. Okay. I was confused about the Zudayim or the Jasmine. Yeah, Jasmine. Was it like to help her conceive or something? So, so Rashi says that it's a fertility. It's a fertility flower. Um, it, the, the shot looks like, like Ruben is just trying to comfort his mother. He sees that she's in an uncomfortable position. She's so he's bringing her the flowers. The shot looks like he's just bringing them to comfort her. Um, Rashi says it's a fertility thing. Okay, so now this is where the plot thickens. The best part. Leia's Leia's pregnant again, and she knows that she's carrying a boy. And they all Wait, know. Baby number seven. Baby number seven is over here. Oh, 
Five, six. I lost seven. It should be gone. I guess. Six, seven, eight. So, so Missy, how do you? So, so Yosef is there. Ruben Shimon, such as one, done after the God, I'm sure he has the pyramid. Oh, he's supposed to. He uh, is not born yet. No, no, wait, one second. We're only up to 11, exactly, one second. Six, thank you, thank you, uh, or seven, eight. Ah. Here's nine, ten. Okay, now she's pregnant. It's the 11th child that's coming along the way. And they all know that there are going to be 12 tribes. And she knows that she's carrying a boy. Leia knows she's carrying a boy. She's like, if I have a boy, my sister ends up with less than the maid servants. She doesn't even have, she doesn't even have as many as Zilpha and Bilha. And she davens, and she changes the sex. Rashi says she changes the sex of her child in utero, which is physically not possible to happen. And her child is called Dina. And therefore, at the wow. same time, they were actually... Some of the Mepharshans say they were pregnant at the same time. Yosef. And there's a switch. And there's a switch of the children. And Rachel has Yosef. And Binyamin is going to be born in the land of Israel. Okay? Once Yosef is born, Yaakov says, Abaita, we're out of here. We're going back to the land of Israel. This is not where we're supposed to be. But I, I want to point out that this is a very complicated family map. <laughs> It's a very complicated family map over here, first of all. And the, and the players are not, you know, we would like to think of them as being one-dimensional, but they're, but they're not. They're not one-dimensional at all. I want to say a quick Tyra that I heard from my son, who's currently in Aza, when he was maybe six years old. We know that Leia and Rahul were married, were sisters, and each of them was given a maidservant to go along with them. And how do you keep track? So his teacher told them, the acronym is, it's just worked. The acronym is Barzell. Okay? Barzell. Yeah. Right? That's, right? Yeah. So you have Bilha was with Ruffel and Zilpa was with Leia. Okay? And today, Aurea, what does Barzell taught, call us? Like, how does it, like, what's the hyperlink for us? The war is called yeah. Charavot Barzel, Swords of Iron. It's also the, what's called the Iron Dome. Kipot Barzel, right. Right, oh. the Iron Dome. So, um, when we look, this is my Torah. You do not have to accept my Torah. I made it up. I 100% made this up. But I feel like when we talk about what is ultimately protecting us, it really is Barzel. It's all of them together. It's not just Rachel and Leah, meaning Rachel and Leah have higher... They get counted in like we don't count Bila and Zilpa on some level, but they are in fact mothers of the tribes. And that unity, when we can pull it all together, that actually is what is protecting us and, and holding us all together. So that's my that's my uh, that's not my made up Torah. That's what I heard from Mendel. Um, but the rest of the stuff that 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 how that's our protection. I think that's. Yeah, it's a little bit made up. Um, the Seder. Uh, the end of the Parsha is going to be... Though the next thing that's going to happen is that once Yosef is born, so uh, Yaakov is going to say, I want to go, we, let's go home. And then they start doing this whole conversation about what, how are you going to pay me? Lovin's like, okay, I'm going to pay you. How am I going to pay you? And they have this whole conversation about the speckled sheep and the spotted sheep and the striped sheep goes over my head, right? Like, there's a whole conversation going on there, right? And then it talks about how Yaakov takes these, these sticks of wood and he, he strips them, like, however, whatever he's supposed to be getting as his reward, that's what he, he makes the sticks to look like speckled or spotted or striped, and then he puts them into the water, and lo and behold, that's what gets born, and then love keeps switching it and switching and switching and switching till they, in fact, go home. I want to say two things. First of all, Hasidus tells us that what he did with the striping of those sticks was his bringing down the emanations that is brought down when somebody puts on tefillin. Hmm. But unlike tefillin of today, they have, those sticks had no kedusha, they had no holiness. It was pre-signing, so it didn't stay holy. So he, whatever he was doing was, Hasidus has a lot of conversation about the different sheep and what does it mean and what does it mean. 
I don't want to go there for a second. I don't want to go there at all. I don't understand it. <laughs> Add it to the list of things I don't understand. But I want to say one thing. Um, the whole Parsha, we keep seeing sheep. We see sheep. When Yaakov comes to Haran, the shepherds are with the sheep. Rachel means a sheep. The whole thing with the sheep and the spectrum, it's like sheep and sheep and sheep and sheep. And it's like, what's with the sheep? What's going on with the sheep? So one of the things that we know is that historically our, our ancestors did a lot of shepherding, right? And, and watching sheep is like very, very soothing. I've never actually watched sheep, but this is what they say, right? Because sheep, they're sheep. They don't go very far. You say, you bring them to the pasture. They're not goats. Can you imagine watching goats? They bring you all over the place, right? The sheep, you take them someplace, you put them here, give them grass and water. You can play your harp. You can play your flute. You can sing Tashem. You can meditate. Like, they're not going anyplace, right? When we talk about the neshama in the body going to a place that is unhospitable Tashem, the first thing that we need to know is that the attitude that we need to surround ourselves is with sheep. This place of Hashem, I'm following you. From that place of Kabbalah of God, I'm on, like, take me. Take me. Take me someplace. Give me some water. Give me some grass. I'll hang out here. We'll dive in together. Right? From that space, Yaakov actually gets a lot, a lot of wealth because he switches that sh- those sheep for camels and donkeys and servants and blah, 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 blah. He, like, he ends up getting a lot, a lot of wealth. When we talk about our personal relationship with Hashem, the place that it starts with is, God, I'm on your team. And now, how do I bring myself into it? How do I bring my personality into it on that basis of, God, I'm on your team, like we're together. Now I could say, okay, how do I build on that? How do I add on that? How do I use it as a basis to take all my talents and use them for Hashem? When Yaakov finishes and he goes back, he's actually met by another group of angels. Um, So we're not talking about that because we're actually out of time. But I want to give us a bracha. That as we... If we could consciously feel that we are in this space of a body and a soul doing work for Hashem. However it is, whatever our service looks like today, whatever we're supposed to be doing today, can we sit in that space and say, God, we're in this together. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to bring my talents into the picture because it's not just enough to just say, whatever, God, I'm like, like who am I and what am I bringing to the table to really be able to to say, am I bringing my talents to the table? Am I bringing myself to the table? Not just say, whatever, like it's all good. Yeah, it is. But like, bring yourself to the table. And when we do that, when each of us on our own, in our own way does that, and we join together, like our whole, all of our avoda, starting from our sheets and, and shining that light out in a, in a strong way, um, hopefully, please God, will tip the scales and we'll be able to see the gula. For real, mm-hmm. for real. Can you imagine if we could see the base of the Menorah in the base of Mikdash this year? How awesome would that be? They're gonna for sure have it on big screen TVs because else we're never gonna see it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> have an awesome rest of the day and a good Shabbos. Mm-hmm.